Welcome to Design by Us, uh, the podcast where two humans explore uh, design and how it shapes our world. Is that what we've got in the bio, Luigi? I, I think you should know by now, I guess, man. Uh, so but, we're only four yeah, let's, let's go with this. Let's go with this. Let's go. Okay. All right. Okay. Welcome to Design by Us, the show where we do what I just said. Um, how's your day been? It's been great. It's been great getting some 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 work done uh, getting some design ideas done for a for a project i'm working on and yeah how have you been yeah yeah, not too bad actually um again still working on very cool projects for seven billion ideas uh but before we start i want to uh give a quick shout out do you, are we the kind type of podcast that does shout outs is this to karan yes it is yeah absolutely yes okay cool um i want to i want to give him a shout out for um, giving us some really awesome feedback and giving us some amazing support. Uh, and uh, he's got an amazing blog called uh, karannavani.com. Uh, and you should go there, check it out. He does these really cool illustrations that kind of um, that kind of help him make his points on his blogs. On his blogs, and he does some really really cool work. Also an ex IBMer as well, um, as all the best people are. Wait, what did you mean by that? Is it that IBM people, ex IBM people, are all the best? X and current IBM people are, oh, are, 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 are well. the best. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, for sure. Okay, okay. For current sure. as well. I've got lots of friends still at IBM, and they're all awesome. So, um, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant something like no people are, like people who realize that IBM was hell left automatically, and and that's why they are awesome. No. no, 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 you can't say that. I'm just challenging your thoughts, man. Sorry. All right. Okay. Well. Okay. Fine. Anyway, so this is going to be a really interesting episode about somebody who let's say well not somebody who got me into design but somebody whose book was definitely a formational part of my interest in design uh and that person is michael beirut uh so luigi neither of us has done too much research um what would you how would you describe michael beirut in a sentence he's a an, an intriguing character um where you actually don't know what to expect from him Okay, uh, I'll give you the inf- I'll give the information that I was hoping you would say. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a graphic designer and he's a is it a managing partner at Pentagram? Um, yeah, he's he's at Pentagram um, where he has been for quite a while, which is like a design studio uh, where they make amazing brands and stuff like that. Uh, and we thought what we'd do is kind of take a look through his career in a really let's say uninformed and unstructured way. Um, but then also use that as a jumping off point to talk about, you know, how does graphic design really work today? And also think about some brands uh, and some logos, uh, in particular Slack, which he recently uh, redesigned um, to some to some criticism, I would say. Um, anyway, so what I will do, um, I want to start off with this poster, uh, which is in the show notes, uh, and it is called What is Good Design? Now, this is uh, one of his... This is basically the whole point of this was uh, it's basically a poster which is looking for entries uh, for the fourth, 15th annual American Center for Design 100 show. So basically some kind of competition or, or exhibition for, for cool design. And the poster um, to advertise that, um, I'm not sure to what extent it was actually used in advertising. Maybe it was just like a cool thing that somebody like, I don't know, Maybe I feel like people in those circles kind of wait for the poster to be released and, you know, that in itself is a piece of design which is then analysed and critiqued. Uh, but this is a really interesting poster and it's actually very, very uh, composi- compositionally uh, simple. 
what it is is a scan of a notebook page. Uh, the notebook page is probably like A5, uh, and it is ring bound, but it's been ripped out from the from the notebook, and um, it's a child's handwriting. Uh, Luigi, do you want to kind of see if you can read what it says? Yeah, yeah. What is good design? That's the title. Is it problem solving or is it the coolest thing you can make the client buy? Sorry, this is quite hard to read. Is it type reverse out of... Sorry, I can't read it. But I think the, the, the first sentence is quite an interesting one. Would you like to discuss that one? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually the question, it's near enough the question that I asked you on, on the first episode of this show. Um, you know, what what is design? But but what is good design? Is it problem solving? I think, you know, I think it's really interesting to start here. And in Michael Beirut's book, uh, How To, uh, this is actually, I think, the first chapter uh, that he, he talks about. And by the way, the book is not so much as like a, a book book as it is like a coffee table book. So I really h- highly recommend people pick it up uh, and, and, and purchase it. Uh, this podcast was brought to you by his book. Um, but basically, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that the, the poster for uh, to try and get design uh, submissions for a competition uh, or for an exhibition is kind of like anti-design. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's really interesting that uh, I think it was his four-year-old nephew who wrote this uh, from memory. And uh, this is actually a child's handwriting. It's not him trying to emulate it in a really contrived way. Yeah. I saw a video, a video of him giving a speech about how what good design is and what distinct what what is actually um, a good designer, and he brought this whole point of is it is it actually are you you're building something for who is it for you is are you the audience are you trying to be in the in the shoes of the audience or are you building something for whoever is paying for the client uh, maybe the client has no idea how to build the things that you're building uh, or or has no clue who the actual user is he just wants to get something done. Uh, so it, it puts the designer in a very hard spot to to actually make something useful and something good for the user and something that the client is happy with. I, I think um I think this post is really interesting because it kind of it for me it's kind of like it's saying it's almost like an art piece and it's saying that designers need to get out of their own space and they need to get their head out of their own asses. Um one of the lines in it is, what if one letter is a different color? Uh, should we layer in a quote from Foucault or maybe Groucho Marx? Is this good design or is it something more? And I think I think what this poster is saying is, you know, design really needs to be situated in the real world. And it really is very, um, it's all about the application of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's to my first point in, my, in our first podcast is design takes the learnings from science and engineering, uh, applies that to the real world. So my sister, um, who is studying textiles design um, at, at the University of Edinburgh, so she called you out on this. Um, she, she texted me and said, oh, I'm not sure if I agree with Luigi there. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of want to go into this a little, a little bit more. And I, I asked you the question, you know, is graphic design because of science? Uh, how can you justify a position like that um, when we have a piece of design here that is a child writing on a piece of paper that is then scanned and put on a poster like how how is science in that relationship for you would you say i wouldn't say it means in this case or it's fully science and engineering makes that happen what i mean by this is 
for example, designing the metro station or the metro station signs that Michael designed for, for New York City, right? To design those type of things, some some sort of psychology or, or color science goes into this. And and you definitely so that that's the science part, and you definitely use some technological advances to design and make for example, I don't know if you know, but they make all of this is from recycled paper now, and all all of that of the New York science, uh, all of the metro signs from the New York City are made of recycled plastic as well. Um, so all of that technology and how you design the holistic product, the holistic experience, that's what I mean. That is supported by science and technology, and then designers just take that and apply it to the real world and make it actually useful. So so this what is good design um, poster, would you say that therefore this isn't design? Because the, I don't think I don't think that would fit into your definition. Design is not just how it looks. Design is just how you use it, how how it helps your life, how it makes everyone's or society better, how it makes society function better. Uh, so that's what I mean by design. This is just bringing a point which is very interesting. Um it's just raising, raising, raising a, a point, and then let people decide what is actually the best outcome of what design actually is. And it's not giving you an answer. I'm not saying that this is not design. I'm just saying that most of the time, when you are trying to serve a user, design is supported by science and technology. But but how how. Okay, design is supported by science and technology. Therefore, science isn't defined by science and technology. Um, I'm not sure I get what you're meaning. Okay, so you you just separated the two concepts, which is obviously fair enough, right? Um, and you said that um, design broadly is science and technology applied. Um, and then you said science, uh, sorry, the design is supported by the, uh, technology and science, right? Yes. Therefore, aren't you then suggesting that design is something separate to? Um, well, okay, fair enough. I, I, I don't. I, I really find that definition quite tough to kind of swallow. When you, when I'm looking at a poster like the what is design poster, um, for me, I'm kind of thinking, you know, for me, for me, you know, this is this is design, and just because the uh, it's not made from recycled paper or, or whatever else it is. Um, no, is isn't design just about making things look nice? That's your definition, and, and no, it's not I'm, my I'm definition. Okay, it. okay, okay, it's not my definition. Okay, just right, to be cool. clear, design definitely isn't just making things look nice. It'd be, okay, cool. Be a pretty bad podcast if that was. The it's, case. Yeah, it's great we agree on this because then I, I I was about to actually quit the podcast and say, Ravi, I'll leave it here. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, um, yeah, that that's the definition, and that's a completely valid point. I'm not saying my definition is the one. That's just how I perceive. This, how design fits into our society and that's just my perception of design and how I plan to apply it. Maybe my perception would, will change in the next couple, coming years. Do you, do you think designers are in a bubble? Like maybe this podcast? Designers are in a bubble. I think everyone is a designer even though you, you don't know it. You are, you, you are somehow a designer. Everyone designs something. But if you, if you are somebody in New York, for example, and, and maybe we'll go on to those uh, New York metro signs now. Um, but if you are somebody in New York, hey, um, who designed uh, that sign or whatever else it is, they wouldn't necessarily know who that is, um, or, or nor would they care, right? Would you say? Maybe they don't have the same. I, I, I wouldn't say everyone has the same level of appreciation for design or for X topic. 
But at the end of the day, everyone assigns something in some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give an example. Give an example. My mom is a really, she really likes to design recipes. Would that be? Would that make? Her, would chefs be designers? I think that's that's a question. Something like this. Would um, are entrepreneurs designers? Interesting. I think by by necessity they have to be for sure. And what I'd really love to do actually is do a podcast with you down the line about. Uh, sorry, do an episode down the line about um, how. So we both work for like education companies and how they design kind of uh, curriculums but but anyway um i i really feel like design as a word and i think a lot about words uh being an english literature student design as a word has got a definition that has become very very broad um and the reason why i think it's really interesting to talk about people like michael beirut and the work that he's done is because it's kind of like let's for one of a better word classical design do you know what i mean yeah if you ask somebody oh if you say tell someone i'm a designer i think instantly their head goes towards brand graphic design, posters, adverts, that kind of stuff. And I I don't know, I feel like it's I feel like it's very interesting to kind of you know may, maybe the whole conversation around, you know, what is a designer or, or or what is design is not a very productive one. I would say it's an interesting conversation as a starting point, but we're never going to reach a conclusion. So you have like Lego toy designers for example. These people just put Lego pieces together and try to see how the user or the kid or the adult is going to play the best way and enjoy the most just putting these pieces together, right? And at the same time, what you do after that, how does it fit within the Lego system? How does it fit with, within the whole ecosystem that the, the kid or, or the adult has built? So that's part of designers or, or even though they're just putting Lego pieces together. Or the Disney Imagineers, which we, we might talk about later on in, in a future episode, that they have to build the whole, um, the whole Disney world or the whole Disney, um, yeah, all the Disney worlds around the world and how, how you actually fit that within the Disney brand and within the, the whole experience and how each user travels through a different story because they, the, the user is basically the camera right and everything just happens automatically so all of that has to be designed even though they might be science people or engineers or some sort of architect or who knows but they don't call themselves designers so so maybe design is just making stuff uh but from a particular perspective of like really caring about it um caring about the user i would say interesting so okay fair enough so design design is a uh design is making stuff while caring about the user sure let's keep that definition for yeah let's keep that definition for now i i feel like we 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 got somewhere um with that i think i think that makes sense okay cool so uh talking about users uh let's talk about the uh, walk nyc project if you're in a big city somewhere, uh, such as New York or London, uh, you might often see these signs, um, which kind of show where you can walk to and uh, maybe how far it is uh, in a five-minute radius or a ten-minute radius, for example, as they are in London. Uh, Michael Beirut um, and his team, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about uh, the way that the team works at Pentagram, because I know you've done some research into that. Um, how they how we did it really and kind of the output of it so there'll be a link in the show notes to walk nyc uh these are basically i'd say two meter tall three meter tall signs 
um, that kind of describe where you are, uh, what landmarks are near you, uh, and show like a map of the city uh, and uh, and a more zoomed out map as well, kind of showing you more contextually where you are on yeah. Manhattan or yeah, and, and sure also the metro, in New York. metro stops and and all the numbers and letters. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah. you if you if you have experience, but it's quite quite a mess. Uh, I have been to New York. Uh, we used the metro three times because Ubers were literally right. cheap. Uh, I I basically live in the metro and you get used to after a week, but it's nice. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I want to get started with the font. What yeah. font is that? That's can Helvetica. You, can you, yeah, it's a, actually a little bit tweaked Helvetica. With, 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 um, I remember reading about this in the book, right? Uh, he changed the, um, the dots on the eyes. I'm sure there's a technical term for that. Uh, to circles instead of uh, squares, correct? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. No, that's what he did. I think that's what he did. And ever since then, ever since he pointed that out in his book, I can't do anything with Helvetica without finding that really annoying. That is actually squares instead of dots. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. You prefer you prefer dots than uh, than squares. I do prefer dots to squares, uh, and that's for and that and for the licensing reasons is why we went with Roboto uh, at Seven Bill uh, instead of Helvetica because I prefer the dots. Yeah. Roboto. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the structure? So you are the user. You are in a hurry. And you are just New York, very busy city. Everyone is just running around, want to get everything done, works 24-7. You are going from point A to point B. You just need to look at a map. What do you do? What do you think about the structure of this? If, if you need to look at a map, you just look at Google Maps, right? But when w- tourists, people that work in New York, really busy, what do you think about the structure? The main points that that this sign has well i think i think it's i think it's quite smart how top to bottom it seems to kind of i really think that a page should be laid out kind of let's say top to bottom with the most important central information at the very top and as you get further down it's kind of more detail a little bit like a a newspaper column Uh, and that's what he's done here yeah very very cool yes you're right I, I to be honest, I don't have anything to complain about this. I really, really like it. I like that the black background is not too 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 shiny or too annoying to the eye. Um I really, really like it. I don't have anything to complain about. Well, okay, I, 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 I will pick some holes in it. Um okay. because that seems to be my job on this show. Um the users who are say using this, right? Number one, do those people exist anymore? Okay, in the world of smartphones, and number two, I would challenge you in saying that it's for people who are busy, because people who are busy typically know where they're going. I'll tell you a story. So, I I'm I'm, I'm currently living in Madrid, and I go I go I I go for for a run from time to time. The first week that I, I arrived, I didn't know how the whole city uh, worked, and. I just knew how to use the metro, basically, because that's what I use most of the time. In and New I York. went for a run in Madrid. In Madrid, sorry. Oh right, okay, yeah. In Madrid, so I went. I went for a run. I literally just said, "I'm not gonna take my phone. I just want to go like to open my brain and and just get some ideas and take some fresh air. I'm gonna go for a run." And I started running and running, run, run for 45 minutes, and then I, in my mind, I thought that I, I knew where I was. And then I see this sign that says. Highway to Barcelona this way. And I just see the highway in front of me. There was no more place to go. 
and that's clearly the place I was I didn't want to be because I wasn't planning to be that place so the only way I took me about two hours to get back home just beca- because I was running for 45 minutes right I was I was maybe like 10k away from from my my house and I didn't have my wallet I didn't have basically anything and the only way I managed to get home was through these signs that they have in Madrid just following the metro signs so I think the user still exists uh, for people who go for runs at least <laughs> yeah fair enough and 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 also remember that these are universal signs like everyone should be able to read them um in in some way either you you speak the language or not and as you can see the only it just has names it doesn't really have it doesn't really have any other explanation like turn right turn left or or that way or any other any other any other text beside them i I think um you know kind of looking at the way kind of people move through cities these days uh we've kind of lost i think because people know exactly where they're going i think people's knowledge of like spatial relationships from one place to another um is is kind of going like for example uh in london uh i would be able to get anywhere on the tube very very easily uh and in fact i might even end up taking the tube from one place to another uh, without knowing that walk would have been shorter and there are definitely places in london where that happens and um yeah i think i think stuff like this maybe maybe does kind of address that saying oh by the way around the corner is xyz kind of giving you that local knowledge without having to yeah. go into google maps um add it to your safe places find a good group of safe places in one area of the city that you want to go to that day do you know what i mean i think it kind of helps with the discoverability you know if it was an app we'd be talking about discoverability right so yeah Absolutely. Um, I think I think I don't know about you, but I try every time I visit a new city, I try to discover the city by by myself without using any any type of technology. I just walk around and try to follow that's how and you end, remember. That's how you end up in these situations, mate, when you're at the highway of Barcelona. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I managed to get back. Now I have to a story to tell. If that hasn't if, if that hadn't happened, then I, I wouldn't be able to to share this story. I mean, that's a, that's a lot more interesting than I went on a run and I knew exactly where I was going and I came home yeah. and that and was it. Now that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Great. Um, but one one, cool. one, yeah. one one innovation of this um, I recall from the book um, was that the maps were aligned to in the direction in which you're walking. So the way the way the maps are situated is like if you're walking down the street, um, the signs actually intersect where you're walking. So they're not like along the road. They're kind of like facing you as you're walking down the street, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, so that actually gives every single sign an orientation, basically, um, so that it's not like for something you refer to, like that's pasted to the wall. It's in the street. It's in the road. It's almost like, um, you know, Google Maps AR uh, can like show you arrows of where you're going it's kind of like in the way so it, it, it has a direction to it and it has like a vector i guess yeah. well not so no, it's not no two signs are the same well exactly that no two signs are the same so the maps uh, are rotated so that if you were to look at it dead on straight on that would be the kind of direction of the map so it's not like north is always at the top it's the direction in which you're walking yeah so if you look at it from the other side of the map it would be completely the, the, the opposite oh yeah side, it, it would look down the other end of the street yeah. um cool. and I think that's really interesting, you know. I think that's um and it, and it kind of shows you that you know with with stuff like signage uh, in particular there has to be you know mate I'm sure there were people who was like, you know, we shouldn't put signs in the streets of New York because you know already 
New York is a congested place, right? And we don't. Last thing we need is like tourists stopping and stuff like that. Um, but I think actually it makes more sense to kind of like kind of have it a little bit more abrasive and a little less fluid and have a little bit more friction there for everybody to make them more useful. I think that's very interesting. So you're saying that these maps bring a little bit of friction to the city. Yeah, 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 for sure. How come? Well, I think, I mean, they, I mean, like, let's just talk about it in, in kind of the obvious terms, right? They take up space. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some might say they're ugly. You and I obviously don't think so at all. Um, they could be, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're just kind of big and they're in the way, you know? Uh, what if you're What if you're walking and you're not looking at where you're going you're like looking at your phone or something but that's and your just, fault and you, and you walk into a sign you know like a massive sign it's like a meter wide well maybe like 80 centimeters yeah it's just like a door um what i'm saying is it adds necessary friction okay like not like not in the same way that cars and stuff like that add friction but it adds friction um and you know and i think i think it's i think it's worthwhile and i think it's the right thing to do for sure um, but it's interesting how in order to cater to one type of user, you have to take something away from another type of user, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, that, yeah, that's a sacrifice. I, I would say that's... Let's try to discuss this throughout throughout the next coming po- podcast because I think that's a very valid valid point where, where when you're given something... It's like the universe just wants a balance, right? When you're giving something away, you're taking it from somewhere else. Absolutely. Uh, just one more thing as well. Um, the color palette at the bottom of the page, uh, which we'll link in the in the show notes. Um, what do you think? I think it's a very very simple. It's it's actually interesting because he didn't take any like major major risk with this. Or do you think making it simple, like in super, not major colors, would that be a risk? Well, I'm sure he was working already within the kind of you know, a New York Department of Transport guidelines. And I'm not sure how free he was able, yeah. That's actually interesting how you balance the, the actual, the client and then the user at the end of the day, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. What uh, were you going to say? I was going to say that it's interesting that it seems to be, you know, almost like quite a standard color palette. You have like grays, which seems to be on every color palette. And then you've got one main color, which in this case is green, a few different shades of it. Uh, and then one pop color, something like yellow in this case. Uh, and and blue as well. But what I find really interesting is these greys. I don't think they're all the same. Um, it's not like they've just turned up the brightness. Those are different colours, if that makes sense. So you've got like a grey here, which is quite kind of like a warm grey. Then you've got like a warmer, lighter grey. Then you've got a colder, darker grey. And then you've got a, a lighter, I'd say like mid-grey. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So like one is almost like yellowy gray. One is more like a bluey greeny gray. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we could easily find out just determining the the color codes of this. And I think that's something we should leave the pleasure of that. We should leave for our use uh, yeah. for our uh, listeners. Just figure sure. figuring that out. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure we'd love to talk about you know hex codes. Um, you know, I actually prefer um, FFCD nine nine A. I don't know how you feel. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get entered into this, but yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um no, very, very cool. Um all right, should we move on? Yeah, 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 let's go. Okay, excellent. Um now, kind of moving away from let's say pure design, um I don't want to say into more applied design, but let's say into more of the design that we might be familiar with. 
Um, and that is Michael Beirut's Slack logo redesign. So he redesigned the whole logo or he, he actually took just the, the logo, whole brand. sorry, the or, whole brand. or the brand, the whole yep. brand. The whole and brand. what about the UI? Uh, the UI, no. No, no, this is pure brand. Pretty much the UX stayed the same in, in Slack. They didn't change much. Yeah. In the show notes, uh, we'll, we'll drop a link to the page we're looking at, uh, which is a link to the Pentagram um, kind of Slack uh, part of their portfolio when they talk about what they're doing and, and how they did it. So what, what did, how would you describe what Slack had before, you know, their quote-unquote old logo? Um, I would say Slack made, made, made work fun for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, there was nothing very similar to Slack when it came out. Uh, they kept adding features. I I don't think Google uh, Microsoft Teams was around when they came out. No, um, definitely not. No. And yeah, I I, th- I thought it was really uh, really fun. The first time I used it, it was maybe about five years ago, and it really changed the way I I, I worked with my teams. At least I I started using it in high school, so it was really early wow. uh, to use Slack. Yes, part of the one of our the entrep- we we were running this entrepreneurship program and the um, the main person she was actually a product designer at OneNote. Oh, and really cool. Yeah, very oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, 5 years ago OneNote was just becoming amazing, like yeah. And then she she was the one running the the program and she forced us to get into Slack. And it was really interesting. It was like everyone there was basically no friction. It was of course much easier to use than just a simple message app. And I would say the the um, in terms of UI, it made it it made it funny. It was very colorful. Um, I would say the logo it has this 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 hashtag um, um, logo, which allowed you to, as you know, you can hashtag stuff on Slack, which was one of the key features, and you can add people as well. Yeah, I I, I would broadly agree, and it's interesting how this isn't a criticism criticism of you of a podcaster, but when I ask you about the brand you kind of went straight to your experience uh, of, of the product. And I think a lot of people, you know, really feel like a brand will help them, you know, create great experiences for their users and instantly make them better. But I really feel like, you know, what it really takes is a combination of brand and great products. And product, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, th- their old logo was, it was kind of weird, wasn't it? It was very, very strange. Um, it was kind of like two intersecting bars making a, a hashtag, as you said. Uh, but both, but all those bars seem to be of a, um, let's say, on a if you're editing it in Photoshop or Illustrator or, or whatever, um, like 60% opacity. So that when they layered up, these bars were all different colors. And when they layered up, they created more colors. Um, so it's quite messy in a way because already then you've got a palette of some really strange colors. And I'd, we'll, we'll link it to the show notes to their, to, their, to their old logo. And also Slack as a word is, is kind of like, it's almost quite aggressive. Um, you know, Slack, you know, what does that even mean? It doesn't even sound like, you know, Microsoft Teams sounds like, oh, maybe it's meant for Teams, but Slack doesn't sound like, you know, anything at all. Um, so they, they kind of carved out quite a weird brand for them, for themselves. And I, and I feel like with this uh, rede- uh, redesign uh, by Pentagram uh, and by Michael Beirut specifically, um, they kind of grew up in a lot of ways. Um, I do like the font though, the new font. I think it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it looks much cleaner. Um, so how how would you describe the new uh, the new uh, logo? Okay, the new logo. I think. Okay, two things I have to say. Number one, I th- 
in my opinion, I think the new logo is a little bit more complex than the other one. Um, it, I wouldn't say it has necessary things like the, like the 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 the, the four dots. I I I'm trying to analyze what it actually is. Maybe it's like bubble chats or something like that, and then you have the four bars. Um, I what do you think the four bars actually mean? So uh, I I remember when this came out, and actually I think. If I recall correctly, Luigi, and I'm not misremembering, I think when this came out, we were working together at Master Entrepreneurs and obviously using Slack at Master Entrepreneurs, and we talked, and we both had a long conversation about this. I think I, I'm not sure if you remember, um, but anyway, I was going mad on Twitter about this because I thought it was really interesting. Um, I see those as I see they almost look like rose petals to me, mm-hmm. uh, and they almost seem like um, kind of chat bubbles. And if you see some of the implementations of the brand. Uh, as you go down yeah. on the page, uh, there is one picture of a um, of a of a poster, maybe at a, at a bus stop, uh, where they kind of use those elements from the logo as kind of like chat bubbles. Yeah, like a conversation. Yeah, yeah, like a conversation to me. So already, I think it's actually very, um, you know, maybe Slack's original logo was more like, you know, kind of bold, and maybe it was just like a an impromptu. Let's just get something out there. Oh, we use hashtags to. Uh, define our uh, channels because uh, hashtags are not a commonly used character in text so it makes sense to use it for something like this to do, to identify when we're referring to a channel rather than a person for example um but i think i think this is a, a it's quite i when i first saw it i was a little bit lukewarm on it but i think over time i've kind of grown to really appreciate it and really like it and see how clever uh it actually is i, th- I would say it's a similar opinion for me i don't have i wouldn't say I have a preference for this one. Uh, I, I don't think I it makes me super happy to to see this new logo. I I don't think it changes my experience much. Uh, but at the same time, I would say I would stick with the one they had previously. You know what's interesting is uh, if you scroll down the page as well a little bit, they show you some of the concepts which weren't taken forward and which weren't used. So yeah, what are your thoughts on these? Which one would you have gone for? Uh... Or, or which of these ideas kind of jumps out to you the most? No, I would say the one way they chose was the best one. It seems like they they put really crap ones on the other side, <laughs> just so they choose the, the one they wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to that what is design thing, you know. Is it what yeah. the client wants or is it just to make us look clever? Yeah, or, or is it what you want, what you think that Slack should have? And that's why... Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the one criticism I have of this is that now the Slack logo looks like the Microsoft logo, which looks like uh, the Google colors and all of these things are starting to look the same. Um, and I really wish they were as bold as they were with the, uh, I mean, literally the Microsoft logo what is four squares, literally four squares, each with blue, green, red, and like a yellow, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't use Microsoft products that much. I try not to. So, um, you know, <laughs> Don't, I don't often see their colors. Yeah, you say um, you see on this side of the world. Exactly, exactly that, yeah. I prefer to be in my bubble. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I think it's kind of a shame that Slack kind of looks the same, especially since Slack kind of heralded a new era of, you know, to me at least, integrations and open platforms where, well, not really open platforms, but platforms where you could plug in, oh, I like, I like the way this CRM works, so I'm going to plug that into the way I like this particular communications platform that works, and I, I plug that into my favorite video chat software of choice, 
And I, I, I really believe in that future um, where you're not locked into, let's say, a behemoth like Microsoft or, or even worse, Google. I would say I have two predictions here. Um, either Microsoft is, is going to take over or we are going to wait for two things to happen here. Either Google is going to release their team management uh, platform or app that is going to connect to basically everything, either their maps, their uh, messaging apps, or their um, the whole Word and, and, and PowerPoint ecosystem that they have uh, on the, the Google Drive. Or this, is, this would be a very bold move, but it's something that I would support. Facebook would, would release their own. Facebook already have their own, right? Yes, but it's not really advertised in the same way, or, or it's not even it's not very public the same way that Microsoft Teams is, for example. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So they'll redouble their efforts behind it. Yeah, interesting. I yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I overall to kind of like you know wrap up Slack. Um, you know, it's difficult to. I think what I've learned from this conversation is that it's very difficult to kind of separate a brand from its product so yeah luigi uh overall slack new redesign thumbs up thumbs down um mm, thumbs halfway okay and what would what would what would what's stopping you from giving it a thumbs up i think it could be simpler and i think it could be a little bit more bold and and in the decisions they made again i don't know i don't know how how involved were the, the actual clients in there and how similar did they want it to the previous design and to the previous brand. But I think, again, as you said, they could have gone a little bit different than Microsoft or Google and, and just explore different areas. Exactly. But this is the thing, right? If, you know, I think Michael Beirut is famed for... Uh, now, I could be wrong about this, but I know some designers do this, is they just say, you pay me and I give you what I think is best and that's it. So Steve Jobs paid um, this famous designer, which I forgot the name, $1 million just for one design of the Cube. The next Cube. Yeah, it was the, the, guy, that did cube, the, yeah. Um, it was the guy that did the um, IBM logo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he paid $1 million. Hey, just design, design a logo. And he knew how Steve Jobs was. So he oh, just I'm, said, I'm thinking about him. That's yeah. what I'm thinking so about. So he yeah. just said, okay, I'm going to design it for you, but you're gonna, I'm going to design just one and you're going to use that one. And I, I think I, I think that's very bold. Yes. Um, anyway, I would say I wanna, as a last topic, I wanna I wanna talk uh, with you about something really interesting that I saw from Michael. So you know MIT Media Lab. Do you know what they do, what what it is? So, in summary, MIT Media Lab makes. Wait, hold on, hold on. Maybe it's more interesting not to know what it is, to look at the brand. Okay. Based cool. on based on our conversations around Slack, where we couldn't really separate. All right, it. all right. Let's do that. So, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna tell you the, a a little story of how they initially created the logo. So they created a algorithm that created about forty thousand iterations of images overposing on on each other, like different shapes of of three different colors or four different colors, and. And that's what they use. They every time they had to send a new logo, they will just send a new one. But it's, it would be like similar enough so people would recognize it, uh, but at the same time different. So every time they will have a different logo, and it would be very interesting because each department will have a different logo, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when they launched this and they 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 had this whole exhibition, uh, the president apparently asked Michael, "Hey, we 
would you mind uh, designing a logo for us? And Michael is like, but you guys have a logo. You did this whole ex exhibition of the whole algorithm designing 40,000 iterations of the logo. And it's like, yeah, 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 but we, we, we actually want a real logo. We, not this one, like, we, we want a real logo. And he's like, all right. So what they basically design is like a four, a four by four grid where you can imagine if it's like a four by four pixel screen, right? With four pixels on, on top to bottom and left to right. And you can basically turn on and off each of, of the of the of the squares and then have different different shapes and you can create different shapes with the with the with the black or white colors that, that you create. And yeah, let's let's just go go into it. But let, tell me what do you think? Okay, excellent. So on the link that you sent, uh, I'm kind of I think I'm seeing the uh, the old one and the new one as well. Yeah. And I really love the idea of not having a logo. I think that is really really genius. And I think um, I proposed something similar for Manchester Entrepreneurs before we before we kind of thought about um, before we thought it'd be better to stick with what we have, right? Um, in terms of brand recognition and, and these kinds of things. But you know. Really, the purpose of a logo is for people to like kind of remember that is that's your thing or that is the thing that belongs to this yeah. um, company or whatever. And as long as it does that, you know, it doesn't matter that you know from iteration to it's sorry from instance to instance, it's a different kind of uh, yes, yeah, a different uh, it's a different logo, right, or a different mark that's on there because it's not really a logo. Then if it if it changes every time, uh, I I love that idea. I think it shows so much. Uh, I think it shows a huge amount of vision. I think it's something that Michael Beirut has done in some of his other work as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, completely on board. I think it's a fantastic idea. In terms of uh, the MIT Media Lab, what I love so much about some of Michael Beirut's work, such as the Hillary Clinton uh, brand, um, is that it's so simple, or the Gap brand, for example. Um, it's so simple, you feel like anyone could have come up with it, but it's so elegant um, that really not anyone could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting the idea that you brought there that the a logo is like a graphical graphical framework that can have different extensions of the brand, you know. And I I really think I really like that idea of that adds that sense of of belonging, and and different logos can belong to the same brand and the same ecosystem, but at the same time mean different things. And so what do you think? Well, actually, well, it's interesting you say that, but do they mean different things though? If MIT Media Lab is sending out a different, and we'll, and we'll link this in the show notes, a different colored logo every single time, but it's still using the green, the uh, the blue, the red, the orange, the yellow. Yeah. Um, is it really, and the purple, that, That's sorry. the old logo it's, though. I know, I know. It's, I, and actually, oh, yeah. I kind of prefer the old one as well. Okay. But it's di it's, dif it's difficult to use that um, in some applications. So I can see why they why they uh, redesigned it because that for, yeah. for instance wouldn't work um, say in Boston yeah. to a piece of paper or something yeah 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 or a piece but of let, let's jump let's jump for a second on what you think MIT Media Lab means okay so I think from this I'm guessing that M so just from the logo uh, and I'm looking at their old one and their new one uh, I kind of believe what would I say MIT Media Lab does from this logo um I would suggest that there are a research that research technology and start and apply it to the area of media. Okay, cool. That is not bad. It's put all whatever 
tech related or media related they just put it in one place and they just research on how that technology can look like in the next 10 to 20 years i wish i wish i wish our university had enough money for a michael beirut pentagram redesign i'm i'm, t- oh, I'm telling you that'd be so cool yeah um anyway so if you can see in the logo they have uh, they have the m and the l for the mit m media lab l for for lab and if you can see the other iterations you can see how it's the sim- similar style, but at the same time, they you can create different letters and in different orientations, which is pretty interesting. And then you have like civic media or like changing places or human dynamics, uh, molecular machines, and you have like different M's created in different ways. What I thought is it would be really interesting just to, to give each department the freedom to create their own logo, you know? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, would... But would that be centrally controlled? Like, would there be a graphic designer who then uses this system to create the best logo for, for example, camera culture, which is two Cs? That's what I'm telling you. The, the system is already there. The team, the, the, the research team can create their own. But would they as actually be they... allowed to? Would they actually be allowed to, do you reckon? I think I think they, they are. I think that was the whole point, to allow them to, to create their own. No, very cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that makes sense. Uh, and on the link that we'll put in the show notes, some of the implementations of this logo look unbelievable. Uh, for instance, their business cards. You know, I think Michael Beirut is someone that's always been, uh, and, and hopefully we'll talk about this um, uh, at a later date. But in Michael Beirut's book, he talks about how he was really inspired by someone called uh, Vignelli, um, who I believe was Italian or Swiss. One of one of them. Uh, or probably neither, given that most of the stuff I say on this podcast turns out to be incorrect. He's very, very interested in like grids and very severe, uh, very severe layout of of stuff on a page, basically. Um, and you can really feel that. And I really like that kind of design where really it does feel like, you know, we create a system and the system, the system is the brand. The system is the logo. Um, and actually, it's the system that um, generates um it's a system and basically every time you see interact with that brand what you're interacting with is what that system has just created in that particular instance yeah to conclude yes um you as a designer you're not just creating a logo you're creating a system for for the people to feel that they belong to that organization and at the same time the user to to talk about it in a podcast right if it wasn't interesting enough we wouldn't be talking about this so yeah you're right cool all right. Um, well, um, we always forget to do this at the end of the podcast, um, but we've given a shout out for Quran. So why don't we give a shout out to ourselves? Um, you can follow uh, Luigi on Twitter at Luigi Dintrano. Cool. And that will be in the show notes. And you can follow me. At... Why would you have to say it like that, man? Sorry, uh, sorry. Can, can we repeat this? Can you repeat this? <laughs> sorry, I, did. I was like, uh, I don't Luigi, did you just like forget your name? No, how do you, I forgot how you say when the is it called underscore? Yeah, it's called underscore. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I forgot. Right. Okay, so anyway. Luigi, how how can we like? What do we have to type to get to get to you on Twitter? Yeah, just uh, at Luigi at. Yeah, just uh, Luigi underscore Dintrono. Uh And you can follow me uh, at Ravi is occupied. That's like Ravi. Uh, it's like Ravioli, but without the early part uh, is occupied. <laughs> Um, anyway the links will be in the show notes if you want to take a look and give us a follow um, who was this show brought to us by Luigi uh, today was stay at home oh no come on we can't do another coronavirus one um, 
I'm bored of coronavirus. Um, stay at home, but not alone. Is that works? Uh, I don't think that works, given that you are currently staying at home alone. Uh, that's what I'm telling you as an advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, cool. I think I think that was the end of the show. Just then, okay. I think I'll I think I'll I think I'll cut it there. <laughs>